In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of Baba, and today is the Gospel is from Luke chapter 7. And as we mentioned, the theme of this Coptic month is Christ the Pantocrator, Christ the Pantocrator. And each week of this month, we read a miracle of the Lord. In the first week, we read about the healing of a paralytic man. And then we read about Christ's authority over nature and he filling, filling up the nets of St. Peter. And then we see, we read about Christ's authority over the demons when, and healing when he healed the blind, the, the mute, and the demon-possessed man last week. And today we see how the Lord raised the widow's son from the dead. And this is important, this idea of Christ the Pantocrator, because even in the, in the Greek and Roman times, and even in our times today, they had a God for everything. They had a God for everything. They had a God for the seas. And that's why in the Gospel of last night, in the, of the Vespers, it was about the Lord walking on the waters. The God of the seas was Poseidon. And now the Lord Jesus Christ says, no, I am the God of the seas. Even all, a lot of the miracles, like the Greeks, they had a God for wine. It was named Bacchus. And so when Christ turned water into wine, he's saying, I am the God of wine. I'm superior to this God of wine of yours. And even the Greeks, they had a God for death. And his name was Hades. And Christ raised the widow's son to show that he is superior to the God of... He is the God of life. The gospel of this, these months talk about Christ the Pantocrator, he, that he is true God over all things. And in the gospel of today, we see the collision, like it's a collision, of two crowds... You see, the gospel it mentions that the Lord Jesus Christ, he went to Nain and around him was a large crowd. And on the way with him and this large crowd, they saw another large crowd. And this large crowd was, Jesus was heading into the city and the other group was leaving the city to, to bury the son of this widow. And these two crowds, they were on a collision course. And these two crowds remind us of what St. John says in the Gospel. He who believes in the Son has life. He who believes in the Son has life. There was a group that believes in the Son. These people have life. And there was another group who do not believe in the Son and they do not have life. And when these two groups collided, death was defeated by... Life. Death was defeated by life. Mourning and sadness and weeping were defeated by joy. And I love this gospel because when the Lord meets the widow, it's written in the gospel that when the Lord saw her, He had compassion on her. He had compassion on her. And today I want to speak about the compassion of our Lord. I want to speak about the Lord's great love for us that gives us life instead of death. Several times in the scripture, it's mentioned that the Lord is compassionate and He is compassionate upon His people. We said our Lord Jesus is Pantocrator, but He, and Pantocrator means like Almighty, but actually, also the Lord is all compassionate, full of compassion, full of mercy, full of love, full of grace. 
And that's why in the gospel several times it mentions the Lord was compassionate. You guys remember a few, I'm sure, when he fed the 5,000. He says he was moved with compassion. And the 4,000, he was moved with compassion. When he saw the people, that they were weary and scattered as sheep without a shepherd, he says, I had compassion on this people. He says, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Actually, the Greek word for compassion tells us something more about what true compassion is. True compassion is to be moved in the inward parts. To be moved in the inward parts. It means to feel it in the gut. To feel it. Like, I feel the pain in the gut. And compassion is actually a Latin word, and it means to, like you guys know what the passion is, the passion of Christ, maybe, the passion of Christ, the passion is the suffering, and compassion is to suffer with someone, to, to com, to, compassion is to suffer with, and that's why compassion cannot be mistaken for just like a hug, or a little bosa, or nice words. No, compassion goes deeper than this. And I want to speak about three like elements of compassion that we can see in the gospel of today. The first element of compassion is relationship. Is relationship. Because there is no compassion without relationship. If you don't know someone, imagine like a, a, a stranger came to you with a problem, you'd say, thank you, God bless you. But if like a friend came to you with a problem, I hope you would do a little bit more. Or maybe until you don't do until you don't do any to name in huh? You do something. It's your friend. You care. Because he's your friend. He's your you have a relationship with this person. And I think parents, they know this concept very well. They know this concept very, very well. When their child is going through something, it's as if, especially mothers in particular, it's as if, like, they are going through the exact same pain. You know, I've talked to so many mothers and their kids have tests, and they seem more stressed about the test than their, than their kids. This is compassion. This is the feeling in the gut that you have. And the beautiful thing is, the more we become like Christ, the more we become like Christ, and the more we grow in our spiritual life, the more compassionate we will be. The more compassionate we will become. And you remember the question I just asked you. Remember if a stranger asked you something. You'd say, like, and if a friend. And you might have different responses to the friend or to the stranger. The more Christ-like you become, the more those responses will start to, to converge and to be more similar. The more we are filled with the love of Jesus the differences start to go away. The more we become like Christ, the more we feel connected to one body. To one body. And the distinction between stranger or friend, stranger or friend, becomes less defined. And then I see everyone as my 
friend. I see everyone as my brother. I see everyone as Christ. I see everyone as Christ. And if this is true, if we, each person here, if each person here felt that each person was like Christ, I think this church would be like a treasure trove, like Melian, full of compassion. It would be so full of compassion. Imagine if everyone saw themselves, like saw each other as Christ. Many people say the church is judgmental. How many people have heard that before? The church is judgmental. Or it, it becomes a judgmental place when it lacks compassion. When compassion is lacking, then of course this church will become a judgmental place. Because there's no relationship. There's no understanding. There is no feeling for each other. But if I have a relationship with all people... If I have a relationship with the popular people, or the socially awkward people, or if I have a relationship with the fob people, or the not fob people, or if I have a relationship with everyone, the people, the Americans, the Egyptians, I have a relationship with all people, then we become full of compassion. If I have a relationship with people, then, then, then we can have compassion. Compassion needs relationship. We usually think of relationship as a two-way street. Two-way street, right? Relationship takes two. Takes two to tango. But the beauty of relationship in the context of compassion is that compassion only requires a one-way street. It only requires a one-way street. Because God, who is compassionate, He feels our pain. He feels our pain and He knows us. And He has a relationship with us, even if we don't have a relationship with Him. Yanni, the widow of Nain, did she know the Lord Jesus Christ? Did she have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? No. Not quite. Like, like Martha and Mary, they had a relationship with the Lord. So the Lord healed Lazarus. They were friends, buddies, great. But this widow didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet still, the Lord healed this widow's son. So one-way street. The Lord always shows compassion. The Lord was saying, even if you don't know me yet, and I will still show you compassion. And even though we don't have a relationship yet, we're going to start a relationship. We're going to start one. Compassion requires a relationship because compassion requires love. And where there is love, there is connection and there is a relationship, even if it's one-sided. The second element of compassion is co-suffering. Co-suffering. Compassion means someone else's heartbreak becomes our heartbreak. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he really felt the pain of this widow. And the Lord really, the Lord Jesus Christ, he really feels the pain that we feel. He feels our pain because through his incarnation, the Lord, he experienced our pain. So he knows exactly what we're going through. The best addiction counselors are the ones who were addicted. Because they know what it's like to be addicted. 
And so when they want to counsel, they've been there. They've suffered with... They can show true compassion because they've been in the trenches. And I think the Lord Jesus Christ, He knew the pain that this widow was feeling. Because in His foreknowledge, you know the scripture is full of widows who lost their son. You have the widow of Zarephath, the one that Elijah healed. You have the widow, the Shunammite widow, that... Elisha, Elijah did Zarephath, Elisha, the Shunammite woman. And you have this widow of Nain who lost her son, and you also have another widow from Jerusalem, or from Judah, who lived in Nazareth, who was going to lose her only son. Arfmin? St. Mary. And so I think that the Lord Jesus Christ, all of these widows losing their sons, are all like a symbol pointing to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross and the pain that St. Mary would see and feel of her son on the cross. So the Lord felt the pain of this widow. He knew exactly what this widow was going through. There was a story that was in the news several years ago about a personal trainer. And this personal trainer, he was like, you should see the before pictures, like chiseled, amazing. Like rock and like six pack, the whole deal. Okay? And he had a feeling that he was lacking compassion. He felt that he was becoming too judgmental of people who did not look the way he looked. And he thought everyone who did not look the way he looked was lazy. So he did a little experiment, is that he took, Zay, I do this experiment all the time. He, he took seven months off and he just ate like crazy. And he put on like 80 pounds or 70 pounds or something. And then he like went back and he got back into the gym and lost all of like the weight that he put on and he did this so that he could understand the trials and the tribulation and the pain that all the people who are struggling with weight loss and would feel and in the same way our lord jesus christ did the same thing <laughs> He did the same thing, not with food, but he took on all the limitations of the flesh. And he endured all the trials and the tribulations. And this trainer, he says, I did not understand how emotionally taxing and how psychologically taxing it is. I became so addicted to soda. I couldn't, like, I just wanted to drink soda nonstop and I couldn't look away from it. And he had to struggle. And, and the Lord took on flesh so that he could understand all the weaknesses of the flesh. He did that for us. He experienced suffering. That's why St. Paul in the epistles to the Hebrews, he says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. But in all points he was tempted as we are yet without sin. Yet without sin. To be, to be compassionate, it helps to have experienced the same type of suffering. But if you haven't, what can you do? If you haven't, say someone comes to you, is abused, and you haven't been abused, what can you do? The point of compassion, compassion means to suffer 
with, to suffer with. So make the problems of another person your own. I think I should preface this by saying, though, this requires someone to be emotionally and spiritually mature. I think our youth, they love to take on the problems of the whole world. (laughs) And they don't have the emotional or the spiritual strength to endure even their own problems. In order to carry and to be, show compassion and to suffer with, you need to be emotionally strong. But this is the duty of... This is the duty of Christians, to show compassion, to suffer with, to suffer alongside as the one body. That's why the Catholic epistle today says, to him who knows to do good and to him who does not do it, it is sin. To him who does, it, who does not do it, it is sin. This leads me to the third part, or the third element of compassion, and that is that compassion is about healing. Compassion is about healing. It is about comfort. It is about reversal. It is about reversal. If compassion, like if we go back to the example, if compassion is breaking me down, then this is not the compassion that, that, that we need. Compassion is supposed to raise people up. It is supposed to give healing. It is supposed to provide comfort. And that's why I love in the gospel of today, the Lord Jesus Christ, He went to the widow and said, Do not, do not, well that sounds like a very insensitive thing to say to a widow who just lost her only son. Do not weep. What do you mean do not weep? And then you might say, Lord Jesus Christ, when you went to visit Lazarus and you saw him dead, you... You wept. So now you're coming to a widow who has lost her whole livelihood and you're telling her, do not weep. Why did the Lord tell her not to weep? The Lord told her not to weep because it was as if the Lord was saying, you can stop crying now, I'm here. I heard your cries. I am now here to give you comfort, to give you rest. And the Lord turned this mournful, this gloomy, this depressing funeral, it was turned into joy and, and, and happiness and a celebration. Do not weep was, I am here, I will give you comfort. This is what compassion can do. Compassion reverses sadness. Compassion reverses depression, reverses a lot of things, and makes us new, can make us new. That's why Ephesians, look at what St. Paul says in his epistle to the Ephesians. He says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. We were all dead in trespasses. We were like this widow's son, dead. In which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit which now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we also once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. But we are not children of wrath anymore. No, we are children of light. I was thinking about if the Lord knew he was going to raise this widow's son. So why not, like, why, why let him die in the first place? 
Why let him die in the first place? Lord, you know you're going to raise him. Why let him die? Why allow the widow to feel all this pain? Why, like, in the whole community? Why? And planning a procession. And actually waiting, they're almost ready to bury him. Why wait through all of this? Why? And I'm wondering, why? Because there was an advantage to all of this. There was an advantage to all of this. Look at what St. Basil says about... He says, what we call toilsome and painful in our perception is evil, like bodily illness, blows to the body, the lack of necessities, disgrace, financial setbacks, the loss of property, all the things that sound like troubles and tribulations, all these things that sound like evil. St. Basil says, each of these things is brought to us by the wise and good master for our advantage. For our advantage. Advantage. Why is it to our advantage? How is it to the advantage of this widow's son to be dead and to have a procession? It was to his advantage because he got to hear the word of God that said, Rise, young man, and come forth. It was to his advantage that the hand of the Lord got to touch him. And that's why the church, it speaks the word of God, and it also, we touch the body. We touch the body, so that we can be raised up from our, from our deadness. St. Basil, he says again, God allows evil to happen because he understands that something better is going to come about. And he says, God is good. God, all he knows is good. And if evil is allowed to be in this world, it must be for your benefit. If we, if we are suffering from something, see it as God's opportunity and that God is building you up. That God is doing this for your advantage. Not because... He is evil or allows evil. But no, this is to your advantage. We learned about three elements of compassion today. One is relationship. Compassion requires relationship. The second element is co-suffering. And the third element is... Hmm, the third element is... Eh. Huh? Huh? I can't hear you. It's healing. Compassion brings about healing. And glory be to God forever. Amen.